Welcome to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Elizabeth. Thanks for joining us today. What the heck just happened this summer? You guys are probably wondering what I'm talking about, or maybe not, because it's always the weather, isn't it? (laughs) We've got Dr. Aaron Wilson with us again today. I don't know, Aaron. Every time, it's just like, what the heck just happened? Yeah, it seems like it... You know, every season or every year we're asking, you know, uh, how can things be different than the year before, the season before it? And certainly there's always something new with the weather. And uh, this summer is no exception. We've got plenty to talk about. And then also looking at, you know, where we are today and and kind of projecting out to this fall, of course, with harvest coming up, uh, the weather is always on our minds. Yeah, it seems like it wouldn't be possible for there to be a another different combination of weather conditions but here we are with another year that feels like unlike any other so to start us off Erin um, let's do a recap of what happened this summer yeah so you know if you you know the last time that we were on in, in late May early June I can't remember one of the two we were talking about basically we um, had had a rather dry you know late spring you know we were talking about some of the issues with emergence and things like that and of course, we talked a lot about El Nino. It seems like we're always talking about one of the phases of, of ENSO or El Nino Southern Oscillation, whether it's the warm water in the tropical Pacific, which is El Nino, and that's currently the phase we're in, or the cool phase that we spent the last three years in. But anyway, with those warmer than average sea surface temperatures in the tropical Pacific, there's some impact on Ohio summers, especially midsummer, mid to late summer, where it can bring on some moisture. Uh, and that indeed is something that happened this year. But, uh, you know, certainly, you know, things have been pretty interesting over the, uh, you know, if we look back over the last three months here, uh, June through August, we've seen a lot of news reports and stuff around of very hot temperatures across the globe. July, August were the warmest on record for the world. Uh, going back to 1850, Phoenix, Arizona spent 54 days above 110 degrees this year, which is, you know, even for a hot place like Phoenix, it's pretty incredible heat there. Uh, but that's not been the case here in the eastern uh, Midwest, you know, in, in the Great Lakes region. We had our 39th coolest summer on record in Ohio, June through August. Um, and and really, June was really cool. It was 25th coldest June on record, followed by kind of an average July and then another cool August as well. Um, and so when you look back at some of those events for, for the temperature, you know, temperature wise, we had a lot of northerly flow, a lot of flow out of Canada, drier air. Uh, that really kept temperatures down quite a bit. We've, Of course, we had our, our few kind of hot days and hot periods uh, scattered in there. Uh, but overall, you know, cooler air out of Canada kept us a bit comfortable this summer than maybe uh, we're used to. So that's been certainly something to note. And of course, uh, with the cooler air and cooler temperatures, it was not without its impacts, of course. Yeah, this has to have been like the most comfortable summer I can remember. I don't think I broke a sweat until maybe last Monday setting up for farm science review or something like that. But I mean, it was amazing other than the stress and anxiety it caused with trying to get our crops to develop. Yeah, certainly, you know, kind of the combination, right, of that dry uh, May, early June period when we saw, you know, upwards of 80% of the state covered by drought conditions by the mid, mid part of June. And then to follow that up with the cool conditions, and we're still running about two to two weeks worth of growing degree days, you know, heating units below, you know, below average 
Uh, so those cool conditions throughout the summer. And of course, a lot of folks remember the wildfire smoke too, right? Uh, for much of that June into July period, that same northerly flow out of Canada, that drier, northerly, cooler air uh, brought a lot of that wildfire smoke straight down. And we had a lot of obscurity, obviously, very thick, a few days of very thick, you know, smoke, even at the surface. Um, and, you know, looking back overall at the overall summer, we have marginally been below average in terms of, of light and, and, you know, the light that's available for, for production. Um, so I think, you know, you know, the combination of that, um, of all of those things, kind of the slow emergence in some of our crops and then the, the lack of heating units and a little bit of, you know, down a little bit in the light, uh, you know, that's available for crop development has certainly uh, led to kind of that slow progression um, throughout the entire summer. Yeah, of all the years where we were hoping to get some heat units to catch up this year, we didn't have it. I know once we kind of quit biting our nails, once we started getting rains into July, things looked really good and we coasted. But now, you know, the ramifications of that late emergence and slow development is really starting to show when normally this time of year we see combines rolling pretty much across the whole state getting started but i haven't seen more than one or two in my travels in the last couple of weeks yeah and, and of course you know we haven't talked about the precipitation side which has really been interesting too and and, and the theme for me and uh, for folks that were able to join us at farm science review we talked a lot about weather whiplash and i think the precipitation is it's a good way of describing that theme this year you know again june was dry uh 42nd driest june and uh, we had those impacts on crop emergence that we talked about but conditions did turn around, like you said, you know, once we got into July, especially late month and then in, into, you know, August, things improved. And in some areas of the state, uh, way too much water uh, a couple of the days there in August. So we did have our 21st wettest July on record uh, for Ohio, and that continued into August with the 19th wettest August on record. And then again, these records go back to 1895. So we're looking at 129 years. This was the 19th wettest August. Um, if you were in North Central, you know, thinking about, you know, Huron County, Erie County, Lorraine County, and some of those counties up there, um, you, you probably won't forget August 23rd and 24th. We had an interesting scenario, you know, most of the heat, the heat dome was really out west most of the summer. It kind of nosed its way in here on that 22nd, 23rd of August, but didn't, you know, we had advertised temperatures maybe eclipsing 100 for the first time in almost a decade since 2012 or more than a decade. We didn't quite get there for most of us. There was about a 50 or 100 mile shift in that heat dome. But right along the edge of that northerly edge of the heat dome that set up across, you know, Lake Erie, north central Ohio, just a tremendous amount of rainfall in a short period of time. We had widespread three to 10 inches of rain over portions of northern Ohio. We had those reports in Lorain County of three to 10 inches of rain, 10 inches of rain in about six hours. And so, you know, the poor folks out at the Lorain County uh, Fair, you know, certainly suffered. We had a lot of flooded cars and equipment, uh, just kind of the, you know, some of the major storylines, I think, of, of this summer. But by the end of August, overall, soil moisture had marginally recovered, especially, you know, near the surface. Um, what I would expect, the best you can really expect for summer, you know, summer's not a time where we make up for soil moisture deficits usually, right? We, we get isolated improvements, uh, but by, you know, the end of summer, we only had about 8% of the state covered in abnormally dry conditions with no drought reported. 
Um, and so that really, you know, was was looking good. But then again, we had a lot of catch up to do, which kind of brings us to the conditions that we're sitting in here in September. Yeah, it seemed like the summer, just when things were starting to get uncomfortably dry, you know, we'd find a little relief. So I guess the question is going to be as we get into harvest and see what yields look like, you know, were those rains close enough together? And I've heard both sides, you know, talking to folks at Farm Science Review, a lot of people think yields are going to be really good. You hear a lot of people saying they think they're going to be average and a handful of people think they're going to be below average. So we'll know the truth here over the next month or so. Yeah. And really where are soil moisture is going to go from here too, because you mentioned that we kind of caught up, but now we're back in a deficit. So what's that look like? into fall and winter. Yeah. So, you know, coming off August, it was almost like, you know, the faucet just stopped, right? We, we got into September and, and over the last, you know, the first 25 days of September here, we most of the state has seen less than 25% of normal rainfall. Now, September, we start drying out a bit climatologically, right? October is one of our driest months, but, you know, to, to have dry months and still only run about 25% of normal many pockets throughout the state of less than 10%. You know, we've had areas only pick up a tenth of an inch of rainfall for the entire month of September. It's got already some clear impacts on our soils. Um, we see drying ponds, we see drying creeks and streams out there, certainly impacts on our lawns. Now, a lot of people like that, right? They don't have to mow late season, that's good. Uh, but even some of our non-irrigated you know, irrigated landscape and, and things like that that are that are certainly an impact. And of course, you know, we can reflect a little bit on the crop conditions too. So how how do the all of these factors from late emergence and then low growing degree days, a little bit down on light, maybe some recovering soil moisture and now really rapidly drying conditions. How do how does all of this come together to really kind of impact our our crops to get them finished off, first of all? And then what, you know, when I think of dry September and October, I think about, you know, increased risk of combine fires and field fires. And of course, we all want our covers and our wheat to germinate well. And if we don't have that moisture now, so some competing factors, right, from, from an agricultural perspective. Yeah, and I've heard conversations about trying to get forages established, too. This has been a terrible time period to try to get new forages planted. We typically want to see those go in August and September. But if you're one of the drier areas you know, your time is running out to get that established and growing before we get too cold of weather. And here over the next couple of weeks with those, you know, the crops that were planted mid-May and beyond are really going to need some rainfall to hit the finish line and then get some moisture off of it to make it through harvest. Yeah. And I think in that, you know, kind of that realm, we've got a small sliver of, of hope this week. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we some areas have already started to pick up a little little bit of rain. You know, obviously we're in the midst of this very dry period. The one thing we've done is missed any tropical entities. You know, major hurricane heading toward the Gulf. All that moisture stayed in Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina. Um, last weekend, um, you know, we had kind of a glancing blow from tropical storm Ophelia, which came on rather quick. You know, and sometimes you can get these tropical entities that are a bit of a surprise. We had some very light rain, very light rain showers over couple of the counties in the east, but overall we've missed out of that. Um, so we do have, you know, this week we're kind of in the midst now, here it is uh, midweek of this kind of slow moving system that's that's kind of meandering through into the Ohio Valley. It's already brought some scattered showers and thunderstorms this week, and it's likely to continue uh, over the next day or two. I think it moves out um, 
you know, this week, so we don't see any long-term effects here, there will be some isolated hefty amounts. And by hefty, I mean, maybe an inch, maybe upwards of inch and a half in some locations, but overall, I think most locations do see less than an inch of rainfall this week. So if that's what you're looking for to help, I mean, anything I think at this point will help finish the crops off for the rest of the year. Uh, temperatures look pretty mild. Um, you know, we are cooling. Typically, we're cooling this time of the year. We should see highs in the low to mid 70s, overnight lows in the low 50s. So even being above average, you know, mid 70s, upper 70s is above average. And those warm days and cool nights can actually lead to some great fall colors. So if fall color is your thing, these conditions that we've seen this month are really great for bringing on some vibrant colors. But the again, the dryness is probably going to impact the speed at which those leaves drop. And, and it'll probably be a pretty quick season, I think, with, with the dryness around. So as we, you know, kind of here we are at the end of September, looking out at the outlooks right now through the first one or two weeks of October, uh, probabilities are pretty strong for above average conditions likely. So we'll continue to accumulate some of the growing, you know, heat units um, are likely over the next couple of weeks. Um, I do expect, um, you know, precipitation to be on the dry side overall. So a little bit of hope this week, but overall, I think precip's going to be below average. Um, again, in an already typically dry month. So I expect some slow worsening drought conditions across the, you know, especially across the West and Southern counties of Ohio. That really heavy rainfall earlier in the season in North Central and a very wet summer across the Cleveland and Northeast counties. Uh, probably we won't see big drought impacts there. But again, we're talking about also finishing off crops and trying to get us uh, to those appropriate moisture levels as well. So kind of a mixed bag and, and we'll really be watching that, you know, need for rain versus wanting to be, you know, dry enough to have those opportunities to get out in the field. You know, last I look back at last October, we had some 26 to 30 days of suitable field work conditions in October last year. Um, with very dry conditions, you know, some of the driest conditions we saw in Western Ohio since 1966. And so, again, different year, different conditions, but also a little bit of, of the same as well. So that's what I'm expecting really over the next month or so. I think uh, the forecast probably doesn't alleviate stress for farmers and for you guys there, but but it does offer a little bit of hope. We'll see uh, how, like you said, how how much these reports of yields and impacts, you know, weather really will have by the end of, uh, you know, as we head into November here. Yeah, we definitely still need heat units on a lot of the crop out there. So hopefully that gets us across the finish line. But we've still got a while till you're seeing any killing freezes or anything like that. Yeah, I think so. I, I, at least I don't see anything early season, right? So typically we we can see by the second week of October some some freeze conditions across northern Ohio. Typically, it's third week to the last week of October in the southern half of the state. Again, with this forecast for October, I don't I don't see anything early. I, I really don't. Um, you know, we kind of snuck in a couple of early days last year, if you remember October 4th in central Ohio. I don't see anything like that with temperatures above average overall. When we look at the whole October, November, December period as we head throughout the rest of harvest, there's not really any cl strong climate signals either way. Things are leaning toward warmer than average. Uh, again, those El Nino conditions, um, if you look back historically at fall in El Nino, they typically are dry September through November. So I, I do expect 
that overall dryness to continue. And then El Nino has a big impact in our, in our winter. And of course, on the next podcast, we'll be talking about snow, I'm sure, as we love to talk about on, on this program. Uh, but right now we think, you know, kind of, uh, I, I don't see, you know, the killing frosts right now aren't going to be early this season. And based on conditions, we probably want them a little bit later, right? Uh, for some of those mm-hmm. crops out there, late October, early November, if we can, uh, which has certainly been the trend, you know, over the last 60 years to get later freeze dates. We've got some areas of the state since 1950 that that first fall freeze is occurring 25 to 30 days later um, in terms of the trend year over year. So I think that's what folks are going to be hoping for uh, this season. Hey, you mentioned winter a little bit, and I saw two woolly worms at Farm Science Review, and they had no bands on them. Uh, and my pine cones are really high up in my trees. So I'm not sure how to interpret that. Yeah, that's right. We've got to pull back those episodes of, of our old <laughs> yeah. folk, folk tales of weather here and talk about some more. Yeah, I would say the woolly worms, eh, they probably don't have their coats on yet, right? It's not been cold yeah. enough for that. <laughs> but maybe we can hit some of that in the next uh, podcast. Erin, I know one thing we, we like to do is encourage folks to be reporting to you um, what kind of impacts they're seeing as a result of the weather. So could you share how they can provide information to you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so we always like to have great information about the conditions out there. I think the best way to share conditions that farmers are experiencing uh, this fall is to go to go.osu.edu forward slash drought underscore Seymour, C-M-O-R. We'll provide that. Uh, That's great information for us to help you know, see what, what impacts folks are actually experiencing on the ground when it comes to these rapidly drying conditions. Of course, you can always find some more information, climate information at climate.osu.edu. That's the state climatologist page. And I would encourage folks to sign up for our quarterly and monthly summaries. Again, just kind of, you know, looking back at, at the last month's weather and also the last three months or quarterly update uh, is a good way to kind of, you know, you can look at your outcomes or the challenges that you saw compared to the conditions out there. Of course, uh, our weather and climate always impacts what we do in farming and, and agriculture. So those are two great ways. And of course, you could always email me. I love talking about the weather anytime you'd like. Wilson.1010 at osu.edu. Please reach out and chat and uh, you know talk about what you're experiencing out there. And, and hopefully everyone has a great harvest season despite some of the challenges Uh, we see from the weather department. Yeah. And hopefully next time we talk, it's less what the heck just happened. And that was a great season. (laughs) Great season. Now bring on some snow, right? Yes. Yeah. All right. As always, Aaron, thank you so much. And we'll look forward to talking to you again in a few months. Can't wait. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. Join us again in two weeks for our next episode. Hey, podcast listeners, just a reminder to give us a like or subscribe so you know when we release new episodes. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to leave us a review also. We appreciate the comments.